0: This is the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast, episode number 39. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on-duty law enforcement officers to give you both angles of discussion. Today, I am joined by Super Dave Harrington. Again, haven't talked to him since Christmas Eve. We're going to talk about how to become an effective gunfighter or becoming an effective gunfighter. But first, a word from our sponsors. Special thank you to XS Sites, the title sponsor of the podcast, uh, to give you a testament of how good I think their product is. As you know, in the uh, instructor slash podcasting brand promotion, we get some sample product from time to time, right? So I put some of that sample product on, and then I dove into my own pocket this week and just ordered a set of sites, minimalist sites, for my personal Gen 5 Glock 19. So that's how much I believe in their product. I I appreciate when people send me some sample uh, sample product and stuff to promote, but uh, I believe in their product well enough that I actually have spent money on their product. And if you pay attention to my social media, you'll see some of the installs I did. I did some on a Beretta 92, a uh, Gen 3 LAV Glock 19, and my personal 642-1 J frame. So, you know, we'll do some promoting on those. Uh, when I go to the, uh, revolver roundup out at uh gun this year. So aside from that excess sites.com title sponsor photoluminescent paint, and they actually have their own licensing to handle nuclear materials now. So they do their own tritium installs too. So kudos to those guys down in, and gals down in Fort worth. Appreciate the sponsorship and, uh, and man, Quality and bang for the buck, I don't think you can beat them. Uh, Also brought to you by CCW Safe. CCW Safe is a legal service membership for concealed carriers and law enforcement officers. The most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team. And I can attest to that firsthand because I know all those guys and I know their experience. And I've seen them work. Uh, If you get a chance, Google the Stephen Maddox case out of Cary, North Carolina pretty, pretty harrowing incident. And, uh, they came to the rescue on that for their member. So the off duty on duty podcast, we can save you 10% off your membership. Go to ccwsafe.com and enter code off duty 10 at checkout for 10% off your membership. As always, EDC belt company manufactures the foundation belt, the most comfortable functional concealed carry belt on the market go to edcbeltco.com for them check them out got them in black and now desert sage uh they're available for sale on the website and through a couple of our other affiliates all right special reminder you have to check out the concealed to carry podcast giveaway they're giving away all sorts of cool stuff cool items from uh you know carry gear to t-shirts to oh you name it they've got a lot of cool products they're giving away you have to sign up weekly to be eligible for the drawing and to be eligible to win their product so as always all the links to our sponsors are in the show notes guys reminder guardian conference coming up in september man it's right around the corner uh like like four months away and uh i'll be teaching there also uh gonna teaching a skill builder course but it unfortunately for those of you that didn't jump on it it is full so uh but the guardian conference if you want to catch me that'll probably kind of round out my training year guardian conference is going to be at the oklahoma city gun club in september check it out man chance to train with some of uh some of the industry's finest people All right guys and gals it is my distinct honor and pleasure to bring to you our guest welcome back super dave harrington it's been since like uh i think we recorded right on christmas eve uh of last year it was the last time i had yeah you on it's been ball.
1: quite a while yeah
0: yeah and uh we spent the last week uh splitting atoms apparently is i think the way you phrased it
1: yeah we did man
0: yeah, yeah we did some good, good conversations yeah, some good stuff came to that video that you made. I reshared it on uh the cold boar shot. Yeah, some people had some really interesting ideas or, or takeaways from that. So uh, Right. Very and, cool. Yeah, and in the midst of that, we kind of circled up and uh you wanted to do a topic on becoming an effective gunfighter. And it kind of, uh, the conversation revolved around this document that you've, uh, compiled. So tell me about that.
1: Well, here's what happened. You know, of course, um, I spent the majority of the last year out of action due to my surgery on my right Achilles. <clears throat> well, in that process, you know, I was in the mentally trapped in, in the think tank and I, had, I had this idea and I didn't really fully understand the dynamics of this program I was developing and James Jagger set me up for success uh, by making his facility available and plugging me in there kind of as a, you know, my first work opportunity coming off the surgery. So I had been In the, I'd come out of the think tank stage into the documentation phase of the program development, and what happened is I didn't really have a grasp on what I was actually doing, and I titled the program An Advanced Modern Combat Pistol Program. And what happened because of that, I kind of overly focused into the gun work and the, the gun handling exercises and stuff like that, that I was laying out. And it wasn't until I was on my drive up, you know, it was a good 12 hour drive up there, Tennessee, Camden, Tennessee from where I'm at Tampa. And, um, it dawned on me what I was actually trying to accomplish with the program. The the gun handling stuff was really not, even though it was the most, uh, intensive uh documentation piece you know because everything's got to be sequenced out and it's got to make sense and it's got to work um what i realized i was actually doing was focused was focusing on effective gunfighting what are the mechanics what are the dynamics what do you need to be aware of or how can you be best prepared to you know, handle a violent confrontation so I kind of shifted focus on um, the gig because it became crystal clear what I needed to do so when I got up there for the gig uh, basically I explained to the dudes I knew y'all had signed up for an advanced modern combat pistol program but that's not what you're going to get and they're kind of like whoa Well, what are we going to get? And um, so the focus, the primary focus is going to be effective gunfighting. Okay. And I did something very unusual. I've never done it before. It'll be a long time before I do it again. Uh, I actually made these cats beta testers for a hot wash, a live fire hot wash of the program. And, of course, you know, being a beta tester, I had to explain to some of them, because some of them were pretty young. Uh, They didn't know what a beta tester was. (laughs) You know, I told them, hey, you know, I'm just going to allow you to, uh, you know, provide not not just the feedback you would normally provide, but uh, input on, you know, what you see, think, and feel about what we're doing and how we're doing it and that type of thing. So it was a very – It was very intense, Uh, I burnt myself to a crisp, I worked for about 72 hours straight while I was up there making sure everything balanced out because if I wasn't on the range working with the dudes, I was doing my own thing with a computer and um, cross-checking everything that I was doing and modifying um, things as I saw fit to answer the mail. Right.
0: Yeah, just tailoring so, the program as you get went to address your uh, your end goal, I guess.
1: Right. Well, this the uh, this document here that I referred to uh, is a handout. I guess uh, it's the student takeaway, and the thing about it is, I spend. Um, first two hours of training day one goes like this. I brief, I have another, like the instructor level version of the document. Okay. But what I do is I brief this information verbatim. There's no, it's almost like an op order, you know, hold all questions to the end. Uh, All you need to do is pay attention, but I dual task them Not only to pay attention, but to run uh, in their mind their own self-analysis of what they know and understand balanced against the information I'm putting out. And if they take notes, the only notes that they should be taking are notes about themselves, their skill levels or, you know, what their strengths are, their weaknesses, that type of thing. Okay. Then, you know, give them a short break, and then I do an hour Q&A. The beauty of the initial in-brief is, regardless of how or whether or are not, you know, a guy takes notes or not, that's completely immaterial. I'm not concerned about um, that part of it. Regardless of whether the individual is wants to speak to during the Q&A portion, speak to their strengths or weaknesses is really beside the point. Because what I know to be true is no matter what takes place upon completion of the brief, that individual is going to know where they're at. You know what I mean? In their own mind's eye, they're going to know where they're at. And that's the beauty of it, because if anything, if you want to accomplish anything, what do you have to know?
0: Know your strengths and weaknesses and where to start. Right.
1: Yeah. Where to start? What's your start point? So and then the Q&A is pretty brutal. Uh, I don't um, really overly focus on any one thing. Uh, and as a matter of fact, you'd be surprised at some of the questions that, that come out of um, the debrief, so to speak. Uh, very interesting. Okay. Um, what people, you know, see, think, and feel about themselves, you know, when you ask them about themselves, uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's that big pregnant pause. People don't generally... Um. I would say probably rarely or even asked to self critique at the start point. You know what I mean? Uh But what I'm trying to accomplish here is set people up for success mentally kind of a give them the entire bottom line up front Give them a chance to do their own self-analysis, balanced against the brief, briefing information, and then they know where they're at or they should.
0: As opposed to maybe like putting them through a set of uh, regimented exercises to get a baseline.
1: Well, I still do. I still do skill analysis. Right. You know what I mean? But you bring up a very interesting point. This is not a uh, side alignment sugar control type program, okay? Okay. the um, The bottom line is, is we cover down on all aspects of gunfighting, and then the entire uh, the remainder of the, the training time that we have forecasted is spent focused on gunfighting tasks you follow me yeah so therefore you're expected you know when you sign up for this program um it's not you know you don't have to be you know johnny ringo or anything like that but you need to be able to you know function safely and hit the target so yes there are i do some baseline evaluation exercises right up front uh, primarily to give me an opportunity to see where everybody's at and speak to, you know, the individual skill sets or or whatever, because it's always going to vary. It's, it's never a level playing field. Um,
0: yeah, that's true of just about any open enrollment class. i even the ones I've put on, even with prerequisites, you still have, uh,
1: well, there's going skill to be set. a disparity.
0: Yeah, skill set disparities. You know, not every,
1: and the fact of the matter is, a lot of it is simply due to this fact that not everybody enjoys the same uh, balance of life that allows them you know, to focus on doing nothing but gun work or training.
0: So... The, the origination of this document, um, what in, uh, in your experience, like what shaped you to quantify all of these different, uh, skills and task sets
1: to be an effective gunfighter? If you ask somebody, what is combat marksmanship? Okay. Okay. How do you respond to that? I haven't seen it defined anywhere other than, you know, what I did back in the day. Um, which that's the only real, it's it's marksmanship. You just, it's, you do this, it's the same marksmanship thing. You just do it when people are shooting at you. Well, that's not very definitive. You know what I mean?
0: The only, the only time I've heard that answered is, is, uh, when you did either some YouTube or Facebook video, where you right, laid out, out a in here. yeah, you laid out an absolute definition of what it means,
1: uh, right? And if you break that definition, I'll give it to you real quick. Um, combat marksmanship equals the ability of an individual to deliver fast, accurate, and lethal fire on the enemy without hesitation in adverse conditions within the rules of engagement. Pretty cut and dry. Now, if you were to take that definition and break it out to look at the moving parts that you would need to focus on that would allow you to do that. you you would be fairly good to go.
0: Yeah. And just to me, that applies, you know, not only, I mean, when we hear rules of engagement, we immediately, our mind is applies that to a militaristic setting, but if you distill down Rules of engagement. Well, as a, as a citizen of the United States, we have our own set of rules of engagement and they're very, uh, they, they vary in, amb- in different levels of ambiguity and it's title and statute. Oh, yeah. and I mean, state your are local, law. you know, the federal Lo- thing is pretty th- cut and dry,
1: Yeah, but your wherever you live locally, your local and state laws as they apply uh, to your permit and what your permit allows you to do or not, uh, those are all rules of engagement. You right. know, um, but check this out. Here's uh, here's what I figure is um, the ultimate goal. I'm not going to try to cover down on this thing in its entirety because even just briefing it, it's a 45 minute brief. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick and choose, give you a, a snapshot. Uh, But like I spoke to you before, you know, trying to give people a start point. Excuse me, before I get ahead of myself, let me answer your question. You asked me how this came about. Uh, There's so much information out there in respect to shooting, whether it's sport, uh, strict marksmanship, uh, combat shooting or combat related shooting type stuff like IDPA, USPSA, blah, blah, blah. There's really no organization to it all. You know what I mean? There's a lot of good information out there and it really depends on what your environment is in respect to the circles you run in as to what your experience to and what you have to figure out by yourself or on your own. The biggest, um, I would say, the biggest point of interest that made me want to sit down and figure this out was to eliminate confusion to give to give people an outline to follow or you know i refer to this as the participant training template and that's what it is it's a training template but i start with basically fighting with guns gunfighting and then i work it in reverse we talk about you know gunfighting uh, combat marksmanship all of the skills that you need to do to be able to fight effectively and then work back on all of those things that you need to know and be able to do to be an effective gunfighter. It's nothing more than giving people the bottom line up front. Here's where we're going. And you're going to have a, fun time getting there because all of the um, all of the work that's performed on the range well for example what is fighting with guns fighting with guns is about fire and maneuver if you're not firing and maneuvering you will be maneuvered and fired on that's how it works but how much fire and maneuver do you do in a program well this program is pretty much all of it Everything that you do is um, fire maneuver, use of cover, concealment, respectively. Uh, even the uh, some of the standalone like skill analysis, skill progression exercises are all combat firing exercises. There is no. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to fire a group unless you did it during a lunchtime on your own. This is, this is not a learn-to-shoot program. It's not a uh, marksmanship program. My primary concern is, regardless of an individual skill level, can you hit the target? I'm not even concerned about time. You know, if it takes you five seconds to hit a target, it took that dude one second to hit it, It took you five seconds, big deal, but you still hit. You see what I mean? Yeah. And it's about hitting. It's not about scoring. And that's another aspect of this program that works extremely well is there. I don't score anything. The only thing I evaluate is hits are you hitting the target? You understand what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, where you're hit. Uh, If if you hit somebody, you're going to, it's going to have an effect, right? Hopefully a negative effect. Um, if you shut them down outright up front, great. Um, you hit them in the legs, the arm, whatever, there's going to be an advantage because normally whoever hits first comes out on top. So I'm not really, I haven't, I haven't really come to a conclusion on this yet, but in my mind, there's a conflict between shooting well enough to score well versus Using only the amount of time it takes you to hit well. You see what I mean? Okay. If uh, I give you an example, I don't want to get too far off into this. So if I confuse you, please uh, tell me. That will rein it in. We, we understand how normal scoring works, right? Right. But dig this, entertain, entertain this thought. What if you had a system in place that only focused on evaluating the hits on target? Okay. You're, you're familiar with USPSA, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We'll dig this. Uh, as a comparative, use a USPSA field course, right? 32 round field course. Well, if you went through and fired it round tight for score, you understand how that works. If the directive was to have two hits on each target for that course of fire, you can you know designate how many hits per target, either two, three, four. Doesn't matter. That target has to have that number of hits somewhere on it. Or it's, you know, you didn't kill the target. Well, the showstopper for the course of fire is you have to eliminate every target or it's a fail. You see what I mean? You zero or you zero that course because you didn't kill every target. You see what I mean? Yeah. So. In a sense, it'll it'll be things will calm down a little bit, but also, uh, how do you quantify you know proper use of cover and concealment and those types of things uh, when speed becomes you know the primary factor? There's a couple of things. Um, here's uh, here's what I consider is the ultimate goal for anyone interested in you know, developing gunfighting skills, gunfighting ability. The ultimate goal and the expected return on the investment of your time, energy, and resources spent training, practicing, and rehearsing should be acquiring total confidence in your mental and physical combat abilities. Your mental and physical capacity to remain calm, situationally aware, and tactically alert helps you to avoid and or survive a violent confrontation. You follow me? So knowing that, um, you've got to put emphasis on remaining calm at all times. Well, that that needs to be understood from the very beginning. You know what I mean? Because there's natural... Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so I was going to say, so now we're going to dive into the skill sets needed okay touch Touch on them
1: yeah yeah just touch on the on the key points but um like remaining calm you know just there's natural uh adrenaline physiological changes stuff like that and shooting because it's inherently dangerous so yeah you gotta up your game a little bit um but how do you get somebody uh To remain calm, if you don't point it out from the very beginning, because it's calm at all times. Uh, you've seen it. You know, people, uh, even good shooters will have, if they experience a problem they're they're not used to or have not encountered before, they have a tendency to amp out when the reverse is required to fix the problem. Uh, situationally aware. How do you do that? How do you develop situational awareness? Uh, tactically alert. What do I mean by that? Tactically alert, What specifically what I mean in this instance is terrain analysis. Do you have uh, the capacity to have that template running in the back of your mind when you're out and about on your daily goings-on of tactically Reviewing or analyzing your immediate surroundings from a tactical standpoint. What is uh, available, you know, covering or concealment? Uh, Do I have an out? Did I allow myself to get boxed in? Uh, You you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, these are all things that you need to have in the forefront of your mind and evaluating. uh, So you don't get caught short or find yourself on the X or in the middle of an ambush. I like to refer to it as, uh, you know, everybody focuses on the hard skills, but what about your soft skills? Being smart, paying attention to where you're at, what you're doing, what's going on around you? What is, what is the terrain like? Uh, do you have an out, um, I mean, it's as simple as how do you park your vehicle, you know, when you go somewhere, Uh, do you park in a standard manner or do you park in the getaway manner? Um, And where do you park? It's it's all, everything's important and everything matters. It just depends on risk versus gain and what the decision points are. Also, right along with um, your knowledge of, your environment. I mean, just like right here in Tampa, just like pretty much anywhere else on the face of the planet, uh, no matter where you live, there are areas or less than, um, I'll just describe it as less than areas that you necessarily shouldn't be in or find yourself in. Uh, You know, if you don't belong there, you shouldn't be there. The, um,
0: and yeah, the police you know, world, it's like
1: what, the ATM thing, you know, three, I got robbed at the ATM three o'clock in the morning. Well, dude, you know, what are you doing at the ATM at 3. AM?
0: Yeah. In, in police that's work, hard. you know, they, we qual quantify them as high crime areas, places where criminal activity is frequent. And, right. uh, and that's probably the number one question that or well, one of the number one question I get asked by people that you know, that move here to the, lo- you know, to the city from, uh, from other locations is, Hey, where, sh- what are the places I should avoid? And, uh, they always seem to come up to the local friendly cop and ask that question, which is a pretty inherently smart thing to do in, uh, maybe in gathering some situational awareness of where you're going to be and where you're going to be operating daily. Right. You know, right.
1: Uh, like in respect to, um, Situational awareness, tactical alertness. I've got a five-point guide. Uh, You need to be able to detect, locate, identify, decide, and act. Right? Uh, How does that work? Detection, visual, audible, locating, detect, locate, identify, decide, and act. That's a template I have in the forefront of my mind. But it's all these things are in direct support of your survival and not just your survival, but you know, those of your loved ones, if you're, you know, purposefully you know protecting you know your wife or children or whatever, whatever your immediate circumstances are. Uh, fighting with guns, fighting with guns is about fire maneuver. If you're not firing and maneuvering, you'll be maneuvered and fired on. Nobody stands in the open. Um, so how, how well can you assess the terrain, find available cover concealment, use it to your advantage, but look at the decision-making process in support of that. You see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, how does that work? You, I can't put enough emphasis on your your physical ability. You know, your physical conditioning, your physical fitness. I mean, you can only fight for as long as you're in shape to support it. You see what I mean? Yeah. So, what about your flexibility? Uh, your flexibility is critical in respect to getting into or out of various firing positions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And your choice of um, cover or concealment, it, this escapes a lot of people. It blows my mind. But whatever you choose to use is going to dictate your body position if you're going to be able to use it effectively. You follow me?
0: absolutely. And I've got so you some, it, like in police work, the, one of the very first times I deployed with a patrol rifle, uh, on an armed suspect, my only, uh, well, not my only, but my, my best choice for a position that was covered and concealed was low port underneath a bumper of a car underneath the front right. bumper of a car. Um, you know, I was 31 years old and way more flexible than I am now you fast forward now here 10 years i may not be able to stay in that position for near the amount of time or near the uh or get into and out of that position with the uh the amount of mobility i had 10 years ago versus now so oh, yeah absolutely. That, that absolutely Even with determines. the uh, the
1: injuries and surgeries i've been through uh the one that really works against me the most is my neck because uh i have no f- to fire, uh, anything, rifle, pistol, anything, in the classic prone position, is almost uh, not doable for me because I have a, an extremely limited range of motion in my neck. Okay. Um, since I have my neck replaced, uh, these are the types of things you know you need to take in consideration, and and knowing that, you know, I will avoid. Uh, firing in the prone at all costs, you know, if, if unless I don't have a choice, but, um, yeah, it just- think in terms of, uh, mobility as well, you know, you may not have a choice, you may get forced into that, but going into the prone, you lose your mobility Vers- yeah. versus a the game. There's a couple, there's a, a laundry list of things here. I call, um, human performance objectives. I'm just going to go over them real quick. Okay. All right. Uh, your overall, we, some of this we've already spoke to, uh, your overall awareness, uh, and increase your ability to pay attention, uh, to what's going on around you, you know, situational awareness, tactical alertness, um, improve your mental and physical discipline and coordination. Uh, your overall physical fitness and flexibility, uh, learn to control the psychological or the, uh, excuse me, correction, physiological effects of adrenaline and learn how to use it to your advantage. Uh, how long can you pay attention? How long is your attention span? Are you a good listener? Can you follow instructions? Where are your communication skills? Do you know how to, and can you communicate effectively? Uh, improve your mental and physical ability for sequencing tasks. Same thing in respect. I mean, think about this. If you have problems sequencing a basic task, then what's going to happen to you mentally when you're forced to multitask? You follow me?
0: Yeah. Crater big Uh, time.
1: Where's your mental and physical synchronization? And the reason I described is that it's kind of a upgrade from mental and physical coordination. Uh, It's not a play on words, your mental and physical synchronization. uh, What I mean by that is normally when you make a decision, you know, there's an amount of time will transpire before the initiation of action. Or the completion of the task, right? Yeah. What I mean by synchronization, mental and physical synchronization is training and conditioning yourself to minimize the amount of time that transpires between the decision and the action to the extent that the decision is the action. You follow me?
0: Yeah, I do. There's
1: no hesitation there.
0: You you and I are both, uh, both into guitar playing and that is a critical aspect of it to train the motor skills to do that without being in the conscious plane of thought, you know,
1: I'm going to have to disagree with you on that point, dude, or ask for clarification because I don't, there's no, I don't believe there's anything, you know, such as autopilot going on autopilot. Right. Um, you know, if I do this, if I do this a million times, you know, becomes subconscious and subconsciously controlled and automatic, um, I understand that train of thought, but I don't agree with it. I
0: agree with the way you phrased it, that, uh, to where the thought becomes the action and you minimize, I would call it lag time between thought and action. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think some people describe that as yeah.
1: it's conscious and active. You, okay. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not relying, I'm not I don't believe there's any any place for the automatic pilot syndrome. You know, you're either consciously making decisions and taking action or not. Uh invariably uh, I'm gonna let that go. Um, what about your, uh, powers of immediate recall or short-term memory? You see what I mean? Uh And that's critically important just from a skill development standpoint. Um, what kills me is, you know, you'll, you'll see somebody periodically, they'll fire a good shot and they'll be like, wow, man, did you see that? That was awesome. I wish I could do that all the time. Well, dude, newsflash you can if you want to when you shoot well one of the one of the hardest i shouldn't have said that strike that um one of the most difficult things to get somebody to understand is when they shoot well that is the important point in time to pause long enough to do a mental review of everything that you were seeing, thinking and feeling that allowed you to perform well and you file it, you hardwire it because it, that's the exact thing you want to do again,
0: as opposed to just gloss over and let it go and break your you're arm, like, patting hey, yourself man, on I the could back. do that
1: all the time. That was awesome, man. All right, here we go. You know, and just continue doing what you're doing. Um, what's important. When is, it impo- when is it important? When is it important? These are all things that you can intuitively figure out for yourself. But, you know, if you seek, you know, professional guidance, your learning curve will be much flatter, you know? Yeah, much uh, shorter. Pardon me? Yeah, I said it It, it can be much shorter. Yes, Absolutely. Know? Uh, Not as difficult. Um, There's any number of things uh, that you should know and be able to do. Uh, You know, what is the technical cycle of function? What's the cycle of operation? Uh, How much do you know and understand about your weapons and uh, ammunition? How it works? Um, What do you know about ballistics? What do you know about trajectory? Uh, Certainly... Of the specific cartridges that you fire, um, you know bullet performance. There's so many different uh, aspects of, um, for example, skip shots. You know what I mean. If you can't deliver direct fire, well then, uh, you know if somebody's on the other side of a vehicle, you know you're gonna skip skip rounds under it
0: yeah on the you know the um, law enforcement side cerillo wrote about that in guns bullets and gunfights on why he was averse to going prone with a v ve- near a vehicle unless he absolutely right. had to and he even shows a demonstration in his book of uh i think a uspsa silhouette that's in right. a gravel parking lot under a bumper that he shoots about three feet in front of and just frags the, frags the daylights out of the top. I mean, shreds this, this target. Right. And, uh, you know, that's a consideration. I think a lot of people in the, uh, armed citizenry don't maybe don't have a conscious grasp on the way that maybe mill and law enforcement guys do.
1: Well, I think what's, uh, symptomatic of that is, um, or basically problematic is it's not there's overemphasis kind of in the training realm. There's an overemphasis on accuracy. And if you, I I mean, I've literally seen dudes doubt their ability to hit a target. So they choose not to fire. Well, it's like, Hey dude, you know, it's like, I just don't agree with that mentality because you're not going to be able to hit with every round you fire. But the inference is you don't press the trigger unless you know, you're going to hit them. Right. Yeah. Well then what happens if that's your train of thought, then what did you just do to yourself? You just took away every application of fire known to man. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah unless you have a um, sounded that to me kind of files under the confidence department you know like i don't yeah, have see, the confidence to repeatedly do that so i choose no. not to
1: well yeah but what i'm talking about is if you're using cover legit right yeah i'm going to have basically a low percentage target to work with So my hit probability is going to go down. You understand what I'm saying? Uh But just because uh, I may not hit you doesn't mean I'm not going to try.
0: (laughs) Especially if you're trying to kill me.
1: Exactly. I mean, I may choose to spend a full magazine pounding your position so you lose confidence. And try to move. And then I got you. You know what I mean? Um, there's not enough emphasis. I don't feel there's enough emphasis on using your own, how to use your ammunition in respect to applications of fire. It's always about, you know, two to the body, one to the head or something like that. Some pre-described. Uh, right. Kill zone hits, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, But these are the kind of issues I am trying or I am actually addressing within this program. You see what I mean? Because there is an application of fire portion that I explain and demonstrate all of these types of things and have guys shoot it. You know, actually show them that, yes, you can purposefully ricochet rounds into a target. You just got to know how to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, um, barrier penetration. What do you know about your caliber and the bullets design and performance in respect to barrier penetration? Um, these are all important points of interest that I don't think get addressed as often as they should one, because it's expensive to do it. Okay, if you were to provide, um, you know, windows, doors, various types, windows, doors, and all that, vehicles, um, shoot through mediums, mediums that Uh you're going to destroy on purpose to to show what your munitions will or will not do, it's an expensive proposition. Yes. And it's also time consuming.
0: So, let's kind of circle back here okay so where does a person start what do you mean uh, you you said uh in the very beginning when we were talking about uh, oh, this in the program very beginning
1: yeah what i do is well no i'm uh, just i'm
0: just saying in general like uh I had,
1: you work, mean in this program or just in
0: just in the general space of somebody wants to become a proficient gunfighter where do they start What's, what is step, step a, step step one, what uh, you have to
1: have, um, you have to have a gun. (laughs) You know what
0: I mean? I like it. That's, I mean, that's as simple as, uh, as simple as you can make it.
1: I've got, um, friends of mine that are extremely accomplished USPSA shooters, but shooting to them is like golf. Uh Uh-huh. You know, they have their gun bags and stuff like that, and they grab their gun bag to go shoot a match. Otherwise, they don't carry or have any interest in, like, the tactical aspects of shooting. To them, it's a sport. It's a, like golf. You know, it's their escape. And that's cool. But, uh, you know, your average bear, this is something that, um you know, I, I, I came to understand this a long time ago, but um, it doesn't – skill is irrelevant, you follow me, in respect to carrying. Now, as far as uh, – if you have an entry-level cat that has his permit – he's done everything, you know, to be permitted and legal and and all that, and he's carrying – But his, you know, you can at best can be considered a safe entry-level shooter. And someone like yourself, an experienced shooter that carries, what's different? Your skill levels, right? That's the obvious. But what's not different? The responsibility that you carry that each of you carry. You follow me?
0: Yeah, I I dig it. So
1: and I think that's where people drop the ball is they think um I don't know what they think. It's just um there's so many um conflicts.
0: Yeah, I've heard I've heard the phrase a number of times just because you're carrying a gun does not mean you're armed. And that, That's a good one. That that Very one to good. me kind of sums it up uh Uh, in, in regards to that. And as far as like me versus an entry level shooter, um, there is a, a years long, you know, PhD level study of the craft, all the things you mentioned, uh, ballistics, you know, tactics, situational awareness, um, you know, bullet performance, any one of those, uh, subsets of, of skills and tasks and knowledge and understanding, you know, for me, that's, that's been a gosh, a 25 year plus journey and and it's, and it's never ending because for one, the technology gets better. The equipment gets better. The data points get better. So it's in constant refinement. Um, you know, when you and I met what 20 years ago shooting IDPA I mean, I look at the equipment we had back then, the equipment selections, the ammunition oh, yeah. selection versus what it is now,
1: yeah, it's off the chart it's a different it's a different yeah. playing field absolutely so and uh just um what the human animal knows and understands, you know what i mean look at look at the firing exercises you know, the popular firing exercises today compared to 20 years ago. Right. Not the same thing. No, they're much more, much more aggressive, much more refined requires a much higher level of skill or understanding to perform well than 20 years ago. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And you know, we were wrestling with the, uh, capacity magazine capacity restrictions and you know this guy shoots weaver this guy shoots isosceles that's those those arguments have kind of been uh they just don't exist anymore really so even uh you know technique tactics it's it's all evolved in the last 20 years again um you know and i heard somebody say that it it kind of goes in a 15-year cycle we see you know The industry drives technology, the technology drives technique for implementation, which constantly refines us. And uh, so it's been a fascinating journey. So I'd say that's kind of the the other turn that I see is in that learning curve between a brand new entry level, let's call them concealed carrier, and somebody that's been on that path for 25 plus years is that base of knowledge that you get through, uh, some with trial and error and and some, with just being engaged, being switched on, uh, to, to what's, what's going on, not only in the gun industry, but in the training industry, in the, uh, you know, in the legal world, I mean, it, it, it all comes together and makes this soup we call a armed citizen, you know, or an armed part of the armed populace of the United States. So so that's uh you know, I, I mean shoot, I look at even even the gear I reloaded with twenty years ago in the same as it is now. It's not it wasn't as good then as it is now. So it's uh there there's so many subsets and aspects to uh you know developing that craft and honing skills that uh they're they're almost endless. But what uh let's take like three high points. Do you think we can do that? Like three high yeah, points, absolutely, man. So uh,
1: other than um, other than we, have a gun. Uh,
0: so let's take three, like three critical skills that you need to possess uh, to at least have an understanding of how to be an effective gunfighter. Like, like let's see if we can
1: situational awareness. Well, one, okay. let's just say uh, your marksmanship skills have to be acceptable. Okay. Period. You have to, you know, be able to hit what you're shooting at. So, that's the start point.
0: Okay. Marksmanship skills.
1: Okay. Situational awareness. Okay. And the ability to remain calm. Now, as simple as that sounds, you'd be surprised how difficult it is for people to learn that. Okay. Yeah. Because. Uh, stressors, what, you know, what can you consider, you know, stressors, um, the ability to remain calm under any circumstances is a learned thing. I mean, some people may naturally, it may come easier for others or some people naturally, but for most it's, it's a learned thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's an experienced based thing
0: yeah those uh, those first those first
1: aspect of remaining calm was to learn how to control adrenaline mm-hmm. you know you get um you know people become hyper vigilant um
0: tunnel vision auditory exclusion tachypsychia exactly all the there's, yeah. there's been people that have made uh you know made doctorate level studies phd level studies out of the effects of uh you know, highly intense, dangerous situations. There's
1: right, but it's just, um, it's the simple things, man. Let me give you a, an example. The majority of, uh, well, I'll ask you point blank, man. Mm-hmm. Um, comparatively speaking, do you do the majority of your work drawing the pistol? Or mounting the pistol from the holster on target? Or do you draw the pistol and go into whatever ready position supports your immediate environment or the terrain? You know, which which is it? It's a good mix. Um, Ah, the only correct answer. But dig this. The majority of people, they draw them from the holster or mounting mounting the gun from the holster every time. But the thing about it is, here's the conflict. The conflict is in reality, what are you going to do? Because you inadvertently conditioned yourself to always, you know, draw in that manner when you need to use the pistol. So in effect, are you waiting until the circumstances support that? Right. Because I'll tell you right now, dude, if I anticipate, Things going south, right? My pistol's in my hand,
0: and that is ninety nine point nine percent of police work. Um, right, you exactly. will rarely see a draw in the it, it, as the action's taking place. You'll generally see the start position be from the gun at some type of low ready, compressed ready.
1: But what do you see happen in the training realm?
0: Oh man, it's all about the Everybody's sub-second mount, draw. All the right. time. Yeah,
1: I've never seen. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of people, you know, being required to draw into a ready position and then mount the gun from that position on target. Yeah, that's some, what I mean. That's
0: something Daryl Bulky and I talk about a lot. Is uh, it's
1: not the same thing.
0: It's it's not, and that has a. A profound impact on the way you present the gun to a target exactly uh and i hear some people well muzzle up i hear some people well i bring a, you know the u.s what we used to call the uspsa draw the arms extended bringing the elevator ride up well the correct answer would be you should have a a functional understanding of all of the above right
1: yeah but see the thing is even if it's not a prescribed position, uh-huh. the pistol should be in your hand. And when you make the decision to engage, the responsibility is on you to establish the gun target line and go to work.
0: Right. Here's a- So
1: are you able to do that in a timely manner? Or are you figuring it out for the first time right when you have to
0: here here's one that uh you know we can beat up a little bit uh okay. when does the finger go on the trigger and at what position you know there've been i I can't tell you how many times there there's been circumstances where you you know you're riding high off the fr- or you know off the frame up onto the slide with your uh primary safety engaged there right and you know have you practiced shooting from that position versus shooting from the finger indexed on the trigger because there's a whole lot of space and time in between those two things
1: okay well here's let me uh try to codify what you just said Uh uh-huh um how much time does it take you to transition from your control grip to your firing grip?
0: Control you understand what I'm saying, control grip, define that one for me,
1: your control grip, right? You know, you, you get the, Oh, okay. Pistol, so this is more, this is a little more difficult to understand using a pistol than it is any other firearm, but you've got, you know, if the pistol's in your hand, what do you got to do? You gotta maintain positive control of it, right? Right. What else you gotta do?
0: Maintain positive control and then and and
1: apply muzzle awareness.
0: Apply muzzle awareness.
1: Apply muzzle awareness. And when it comes time to commit to the an engagement or the engagement, you have to transition from your control grip to your firing grip. It's not the same thing. Okay, I figured that out recently, man, when I was trying to describe some other stuff and explain some other stuff. That's a good way to like, break
0: it down. Break it in half there. I like that.
1: Yeah, I figured the best way to uh, describe it is, based on necessity, you have to maintain positive control of it at all times, right and apply muscle awareness. Well, that's why I kind of coined the phrase or that's what I've been calling it ever since. Is your control grip now? Take a shotgun. How do you carry a shotgun? A bunch of different ways, right? Oh yeah, but you can't hold it or control it in the same manner for the various positions. You follow me? Yeah. So therefore, you have various control grips on a long gun or a carbine. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah, I like it. If um,
0: I'm going to write it down,
1: if you're um, even if you're using an AR. Okay, and you've got it slung up, right? Right. What should you do 100% of the time? Maintain positive control of it, right? Right.
0: And muzzle awareness, right? With your
1: control grip in order to apply or maintain control of it and apply muzzle awareness. And um, when it comes time to mount the gun or you know go to work, you have to transition from your control grip, however you're doing it into your firing grip. Right. How are you going to do that? Whatever the uh, circumstances or situation dictates. It's just a, it's just a way I figured out to better explain some of the dynamics involved. Uh, Like, for example, even mounting the pistol from the holster at what point, you know, are you transitioning from your control grip of getting the gun out and up and transitioning from the, uh, control grip into your firing grip to hit. You see what I mean?
0: Yeah. When are you making the decision to shoot? Exactly. To me, that's, um, to me, that's when the, the, the firing grip gets, uh, dialed in, so to speak is, I've made the decision to shoot, whether it's coming out of the holster. You you
1: bring up an interesting point, dude, dig this. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little different. You may agree or not. I think it's a little different from a law enforcement perspective than a civilian perspective, because within the law enforcement realm, you have escalation of force issues. Mm -hmm. You follow me? Yeah. Or escalation of force requirements. Yes. Whereas, you don't necessarily have the same escalation of force requirements placed on a civilian that you do a law enforcement or military person.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that I, the best way I mean, that have I you ever
1: considered that
0: absolutely. And the best way that I can differentiate the two, uh, especially mm-hmm. on the, you know, the armed, the armed citizen, the armed civilian versus the right. law enforcement officer is, there are statutory exemptions in the law for when we can point a firearm at somebody that do not exist for the armed populace. Or if they do, right. they're they're considerably more restrictive. The other aspect of that is, as you said, escalation of force. Um, an armed citizen is not under any obligation to take someone into custody. And in, in some places, it's actually – against the law to try to effect an arrest. Right. Whereas we don't have that option. It's that's your sole purpose, uh, in maintaining law right. and order is to go and arrest bad people and separate right. them from society. So right. that, uh, that's one of the key differences I see. And then, you know, on rules of engagement type things with, uh, with the military, that's a whole nother, um, a whole another realm, and it, you can even boil that into, you know, are we fighting an an armed, uniformed, uh, government entity of another country, or are we fighting against, uh, say, indigenous, non, um, uh, non uniformed, gang, a gang, yeah. right, or or you yeah. know, or a what would we call it, a cell. Uh, you know, there's that there's two different types of uh uh in engagements, or uh, I'd say the rules of engagement vary vastly between those two things. Uh, and on the military side, even down to what type of ammunition you can use, so it's like it's very uh, that's why I like that's what
1: I don't understand. You know, a lot of people think uh, the military they think the opposite, you know, the military is like a free fire. Type environment it's not it's very it's heavily regulated right heavily regulated pretty much on all levels
0: yeah and uh y- you know the american law enforcement officer one of the things that uh, a-, a lot of people don't take into consideration with with law enforcement is uh we don't we <laughs> there there is no such thing as collateral damage and there is a uh, what i can only do de- describe as a very lengthy, uh, proctological examination that comes with every single shot you fire, uh, in the, in the United States versus maybe somewhere else, um, you you know, on, on a a military type deployment. Although there are, there are now, you know, operational fields in the military that, kind of have a lot of the same restrictions we do so it's uh or rules of engagement which is why i liked in your original statement about you know under uh, with the prescribed rules of engagement um so yeah i think you can apply that across all fields which is which is pretty fascinating to me just in that statement combat marksmanship what is it and that's a uh it's a really good way to distill it. Well, man, we've covered I think we've split a lot of atoms in the last yeah, hour. Yeah, we,
1: uh, we covered down on it pretty good. What I'll do, man, is um, there's a wealth of information in this document. I'll email it to you. Cool. For your edification and your use, don't farm it out.
0: No, I was going to ask this you. Is,
1: uh, this is um, basically you know, a training participants. Okay. they have to earn this. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So
1: this isn't a freebie. They earn it. Believe me.
0: So Uh, let me ask you this. What do you got coming up since we're kind of winding down here? Um, one, if somebody wanted to go to this, i how did you phrase this class? I heard you say modern
1: effective gunfighting,
0: effective gunfighting. And then you offer a, a, another couple of programs, um, What was, what was the first uh, modern handgun or
1: advanced modern combat handgun?
0: Yeah. And is there
1: advanced modern combat pistol?
0: Is there one, a precursor to that one? No. So advanced modern,
1: I don't require prereqs to any, any program I run because I run programs. I don't run classes. And,
0: um, so if somebody wanted to reach out to you, uh, you know, what's the best way of saying, like, say I had a range, uh, you an email. shoot you an email. Do you have See, a website right
1: now, up here, <clears throat> Here's my difficulty. I'm still, I got to refine my website a little more. Uh, my Is, difficulty has been in, you know, basically I've been shut down for the last year. Okay. Well, in this business, you know, you get knocked off the radar screen. You got to work your way back on it. You know, nothing's a given yeah so I'm in the process now of working my way back on the radar screen because a lot of people they don't even know that I'm healthy and able to work now. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's gonna take a little bit of time. Uh, the next program I have scheduled is um, up in Minnesota mid June, okay uh, and that will be an integrated weapons program um, right now. I'm thinking it's going to be a law enforcement only, uh, program. So if you know anybody up around in the, you know, the Minnesota area there. So,
0: uh, do you list these classes on your website on I. Yeah, I will. It's combat I, speed, I, correct?
1: Yeah. combatspeed.com.
0: Okay. And it's still when active. To,
1: and- uh, when I get to that point, yeah. Uh, there's a few things. I'm up against technically I've got, you know, there's some things I got to learn technically Okay. to, um, you know, be able to manipulate all that and trying to get a handle on the social media stuff. And man, I'm, I'm a dinosaur, man. When it comes to the technical, technical stuff, where are you out with a number two pencil?
0: Oh, I know it. And I bet, I I bet you're hell on a whiteboard. (laughs) Yeah. I'm
1: going to run a whiteboard pretty hard too. Yeah.
0: Well, sweet, dude. You got any, uh, so we got combatspeed.com. That one's still active. And I'm, I'm guessing that one has your, your email, your contact information. So if, uh, uh,
1: uh, super Dave Harrington at Gmail, shoot me an email. Cool. Uh, that's real easy to remember. What I've, what I've known to be true is if you're serious about training, you'll figure out how to get all of me.
0: I completely agree. Currently, yeah. I don't I don't operate a website or anything, and I, I kind of operate in that same deal. I do a little bit of social media, and if you if you want to train with me, you'll find me. It's not that yeah. hard. We got right, this super exactly. we got this super secret squirrel uh, search engine that all the people in the training community use, and I'll key in on it's called Google. So, <laughs>
1: so <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right,
0: all right brother, super well, Dave.
1: I certainly appreciate you having me, man.
0: Cool. We'll hang out for just a second. All right, special thanks to Super Dave, the one and only. Guys, if you're interested in hosting Dave for a class, um, man, get a hold of him at combatspeed.com, Harrington at gmail.com. Uh, I think uh, just about anybody would benefit from training with the guy. I know it's been 20 years since I've been on a range with him, but I still take things that I learned from him. Uh, to the range with me every day. And uh, I think there is a legion of our, you know, tier one, two, tier two guys that, uh, you know, owe a lot to his tutelage at uh, range 37. If you're in the know on that, you're in the know, right? All right. Check out our sponsors, excesssites.com. Guys making night sights and uh, various other sites and scope mounts and all kinds of stuff manufactured in the usa in fort worth texas america excess ccwsafe.com save 10 percent off your membership enter code off duty 10 at checkout edc belt Co. the foundation belt at edcbeltcode.com and if you haven't please subscribe on whatever platform you like to take in your podcast, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get them. All right, guys, till next time, the off-duty on-duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions. Follow all firearm safety rules. Consult with a competent firearms instructor and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.